Hey, this is Ed Stetzer Live, and we're so excited to have another conversation today that I think will be encouraging to you, maybe even challenging to you as well. So I'm Ed Stetzer, host of the show. I'm the dean of the Talbot School of Theology at Biola University. Uh, I'm actually now, for a while, some of you regular listeners, you know that it's been like a crazy, like, where is Ed Stetzer? Where's Waldo today? We, you know, through, was it six months ago, we were living in the UK and then living in California, then back in Illinois. And anyway, and so now we're permanently here. I'm actually broadcasting now from my, my studio here at Mariner's Church, um, where I serve as teaching pastor as well. And so good to be settled down this uh, Friday. The uh, the boxes went away, so that's that's a that's a, a a monumental moment is when the boxes go away. So we're still unpacking, but so glad to be here. Had some good meetings at uh, Biola and Talbot. So so thanks for those of you who are praying for us in this transition. Don and I are now officially residents of uh, California, where uh, all the challenges that come with that and great opportunities as as well. So so again, thanks for listening. Ed Stetzer live this and every Saturday we have these conversations. And let me remind you too. That if you're a regular listener, maybe you're just kind of driving down the road and you're listening, and you're like, well, I can't always listen Saturday at this time. And that's not an uncommon thing. Saturday radio is a whole different vibe. Uh, let me encourage you to subscribe as a podcast. You can go to edstetzerlive.com, click through. You can actually download the Moody Radio app. You can do all of our shows actually as podcasts as well. We've got a great team uh, putting that together also. So we're, anyway, so we're, I'm so glad you're here and I'm so glad that my guest, I actually think that my next guest has been on the show more than any other person. I think this is his third appearance on the show because that just shows I, I like him because he teaches me, he challenges me and more. So let me tell you about him. David Mathis is the senior teacher and executive editor for DesiringGod.org, and he's a pastor at Cities Church in St. Paul, Minnesota, and he's an adjunct professor at Bethlehem College and Seminary, also in Minneapolis, husband and father of four, and he has written this new book that we're going to talk about. Now, we've had him on to talk about, uh, I think, the two, two prior books, Habits of Grace and Workers for Your Joy. And so today we're having him on to talk about a book, which is a fascinating title. It's Humbled welcoming the uncomfortable work of God. And and again, I, I'm always fascinated by people who write books have to do with humility. Again, this is not, this is not going to, the typical joke is, you know, the book is humility and how I achieved it. But the title here actually speaks a little differently uh, about the theme of the book. The title is Humbled, Welcoming the Uncomfortable Work of God. David Mathis, thanks for joining us here on Ed Stetzer Live. Brother, it's always an honor to talk to you and an honor to be on the show again. Thank you. Well, super fun. I, again, I think I'm right. I think I, Courtney will correct me, but I think I'm right. I think you're the only person who's been on the show three times, which tells you we need to have more friends. You're a friend of the show. And so we're happy to have you on as well. <laughs> there we go. And I already sort of start, I started talking a little bit about the difference between, I don't know, you know the, the joke is you know, humility and how I achieved it's my sermon topic or my book title. But you obviously, yeah. and, the, and the theme really pushes to what it means to be humbled rather than humility, which I don't think anybody should write. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you know John Dixon, but he he wrote a book on called Humilitas, and so he wrote a book on humility. Mm. And so I hired him at Wheaton, and we would we'd sort of make fun of the fact that you know John Dixon's here. He wrote a book on humility, but yours has a different approach. And not that, I, I should say, not that there's anything wrong with John's approach. Humilitas is a great book. That's right. But yeah. talk to us a little bit about why humil uh, humbled rather than humility. Well, I think Ed, some of the same kind of cautions or, or pauses you have around that title of humility, humility and how I achieved it. 
I, I felt some of those in my own soul, as well as just reflected in biblical texts, which were really driving the ship for me. At one stage, the publisher said, oh, humility, let's call it humility. And I said, I, I don't think I can be the author of that book. I, I don't uh, sense that, my, that I'm a particularly humble person, uh, but I, I can deal with texts and I can deal with moments in my life where I have been humbled by God. And so the, the, the theme that I found in the biblical texts about God's people humbling themselves and about God's initiative in their humbling was that God is really the actor in our humility. It, it, it would be uh, a, a significant theological error to think about humility as a kind of achievement. Uh, to think of humility, like you just said in that title, humility and how I achieved it. I mean, that, that's exactly uh, what the biblical texts are going against. And that God is the great actor. He's the great initiator of our humbling. And that often comes about through him taking steps that we would not want him to take, that are painful, that are disruptive, that bring chaos, uh, like painful events in our lives personally or society wide, like COVID-19, those kind of big events that are humbling for us. We would not choose them. And yet in being humbled, God is offering us a kind of invitation. Will you receive my humbling hand or will you kick back against it? Will you try to explain it away with all sorts of other reasons? Or will you receive my humbling initiative in your life and therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God? You know, I, I, um, I'm old enough to remember. I'm actually, now that I'm in Southern California, I, I just spoke recently at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. And of course, Maranatha music yes. came out of there. And, and I, I just remember singing this song. I guess it was in the 80s, maybe. It was Humble Thyself in the Sight of the Lord. Humble Thyself in the Sight of the Lord. Mm. And, and it's interesting because we, we, we want that. Of course, that's based on James 4.10. And, uh, and, and we, we, we want that. But I think we're often unsure how we might humble ourselves, you know, because first, first of all, you know, the joke is, you know, it's like praying for patience or praying for humility. It, it usually means some difficulty as well. So if we're going to sing that song, uh, which, again, you're probably not old enough to remember singing that song in church, though I am. If well, gonna I, I do remember it, actually. That, yes, I do. Do you? Okay. Like, okay, good. Good. That makes yeah, me happy because, oh, yeah. uh, you know, I, I came to Christ <laughs> in the late 70s. And, you know, so a little bit of that. We were talking before the show a little bit about the Jesus movement. And that all came out of that. But, but you know, so how do we, I mean, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. It's clearly connected. You know, the Lord's presence, the Lord's That's work. Right. So how do I do that? I, I don't want to be proud. I don't want to be arrogant. I want to be humble. But do I have to have crisis to do that? Can I seek that? How does that work? Uh, great question. That, that's a question at the heart of the book. That statement you know, that the song is based on. So I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church in the 1980s. And I, I, I think I'm just old enough to remember Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. You got it. You got it. And he will lift you up higher and higher. And that comes from, even before James 4.10 and 1 Peter 5, three times Jesus ends three different parables, three different teachings with those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So if you were to take Jesus' body of teaching that we have in the Gospels, uh, this is one of his most repeated teachings. This would be a major teaching of the Son of God himself while among us, that those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And so very naturally, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we want to ask, 
How do I do that? I want to humble myself. That, that's a good desire. And so in looking at the biblical teachings on humbling and God's humbling hand and our self-humbling, I think the first thing to acknowledge is that our humbling is God's work, not ours mainly. So first and foremost, as you said, Ed, there's the crises that come in our lives, things we do not choose. And yet at that moment, we are called to respond to God's humbling with self-humbling. So that's, that's the first thing to say is that often the most significant humbling events are not of our own choosing or initiative. Now, however, having said that, there are some ways we can ready ourselves for those moments. How can I be ready when the next global pandemic descends or far more painful, some painful relational breach in my family or in my church or among my friends? How can I be ready for those humbling moments that were not my initiative or choice? And yet God, in his wisdom and providence and love, he brought those humbling moments. How can I be ready to humble myself? And in looking through the humble yourself texts across the Bible, I, I think there's about 30 or so where it's emphatic, it's, it's reflexive, where someone humbles themselves or you humble yourself or we humbled ourselves. So there's kind of the, the reflexive there. Uh, three big categories, which should not be surprised to most Christians, are there for patterns of life that can prepare us for those humbling moments. One is regularly receiving God's word with joy. I mean, God, his first and foremost means of grace in the Christian life is his word. He's given us his word. He has preachers in the church, preachers and teachers that lead the church. He means for us to condition our souls daily and weekly to receive his words, that we would not push back on his words, but receive his words with softness in our hearts and with joy. And as we practice on a daily and weekly basis of receiving his word, his teaching, his instruction, we are humbling ourselves and we're preparing our souls for those moments when God acts in a different way than we would prefer and in a way that humbles us. So that, that would be one is how do we receive his word? A second one then would be, do we come to him in prayer? I mean, it, in one sense, prayer is the quintessentially self-humbling act that you would pause your life in this physical material world that you would bow your head that you would get on your knees and you would say god help i, I need you and, and and the more desperate the prayer the more self-humbling the act is prayer is an amazing amazingly humbling act where we say i'm at the end of my power this is beyond what I can do in some minor way or some major way where I am desperate and needy. And so God, help. That's humbling. A pattern of prayer in our lives is a kind of conditioning of our souls for those moments of self-humbling. And then the third would be uh, being part of God's people. I mean, Ed, you know, I know, our listeners know that one of the most humbling things you can do is be committed to a local church. God means to humble us through his people. He blesses us significantly. We are so much better off for having relationships of belonging and loyalty and commitment and allegiance in our life in local churches. And those sometimes can be some of the most difficult relationships. And God chooses to humble his people often through his people and in the context of the local church. So in one sense, it's very basic. How do you how does your soul receive God's word? Does your soul humble yourself in prayer? And then how do you how do you orient on the church 
when we take a posture of self-humbling toward the church, we are preparing ourselves for those unplanned, unexpected, unwanted moments when God humbles us and the question comes to us, am I going to pretend this is something else or am I going to humble myself before the living God? Mm. Powerful and important and and also challenging. We're going to talk about some of those challenges together. We're also going to take your calls, 877-548-3675. The book is Humbled, Welcoming welcoming the Uncomfortable Work of God. We've got a few copies to give away to insightful callers with great comments or questions. Again, our number for your call. Maybe you got questions about how this works or maybe something the Lord's taught you. 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675. Hey, we're back at Stetzer Live, continuing our conversation with David Mathis, a friend of the show, but also really just got some really good, helpful insights that always minister to me and hopefully to you as well. We're talking about his new book. It's called Humbled, Welcoming the Uncomfortable Work of God. David at the beginning said he doesn't consider himself uh, you know, necessarily an expert on humility. I, I've known David for years, and I actually find this to be a mark that that I see in his life that actually was one of the reasons I was interested in having this conversation with him. I learn, have learned and continue to learn from David as, as well. So David is the senior teacher and executive editor of desiringgod.org. And he's a pastor at City's church in St. Paul, Minnesota as well. So, and a lot, you were talking to some David about almost like a, a posture, you know, uh, you know, humbly receive the word, you know, um, those sorts of themes. I was surprised when you said how many times that humble yourself is a phrase that we see in the scripture. Um, let's come back to the last point you made, which is the role of the church in humbling us. There's a, you know, very famous line from C.S. Lewis about, you know, about humility and approaching the church and how, you know, people of all different walks of life, and yet we're all in this together. So, but what are some so ways that that does indeed that community of God in this thing called church because we're you know Moody Radio this is not your church you know it's that's live is not your sermon um, we we want I'll be in church this weekend we want you to be in the community but but David it's hard sometimes it's it's frustrating sometimes all these imperfect people with their opinions and their and their their you know their their struggles like me so how does that humble us and why is it important us to be connected in that space. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, um, am I allowed to to use a illustration from Harry Potter on Moody Radio? Whether I think you just—it's uh... a little. What am I going to say? No, I think Harry <laughs> Potter went through phases, and now it's acceptable. But if you want to call in and, and you yell right. at David for that, but go ahead and use the Harry Potter illustration. Okay. Well, there's this moment where uh, Harry is learning about Dumbledore meeting Tom Riddle for the first time. And Tom Riddle is the character who becomes the horrible, evil Voldemort. And in that story, I think Tom Riddle's an orphan in the orphanage and Dumbledore comes to visit him. And he, Dumbledore identifies that Tom Riddle has these magic powers. And he looks at his quivering fingers and he says, I always knew I was special. Hmm. And, uh, there's there's something there's a profound insight there in terms of thinking of ourselves as special and the kind of pattern of sin and evil that can follow in that in some very subtle ways and one of the things that commitment to the local church does or should do for all of us uh, is show us that the right ways in which we're special there is a sense in which we 
as Christians, covered by the blood of Christ in Jesus, are special. God's own son is special when we're in him by faith. We are chosen before the foundation of the world. We are loved uh, as his own children. And yet, we are loved collectively as the church. We are not special in the church over and against each other. And the local church is a great way in all of its uh, wonderfully frustrating difficulties, the relational difficulties, you know, it's being in a group that is very different than you. So, so for instance, uh, m- many of us in the rest of our avenues of life, we have our affinity groups where we choose people that are very much like us. But the blood of Christ has a way of bringing together people who are not just like each other. I mean, this is a mark of Jesus' glory that he loves in his global church and in its local manifestations to bring together people who are of very different stripes. He brings together all sorts of recovering sinners. And that brings about relationships under the umbrella of his grace where we are we are with people in local churches that we very likely would not be with otherwise. And that brings the rub. It brings friction and it brings glorious opportunities for the grace of Jesus Christ and to make Jesus look good by loving people when when we really only share, we might think, we really only share in Jesus' blood together. And yet I learned to love a brother or sister very different than me because of Jesus. He gets glory for that. And in the meantime, I learned the, the right ways. Together as a church, we learn the right ways in which we are special to our God. And we learn the sinful ways that we are we are not special. We, we love to tell each other, I'm special. I'm better than them. I can cut the corners. I don't have to abide by these rules. And the local church in its committed relationships has a way of breaking down that sinful sense of specialness that uh, J.K. Rowling says drove Voldemort. Uh, that kind of sense of specialness. <laughs> you came back to Harry Potter at the end. So if you didn't like the Harry Potter reference right after Deep Biblical Truth, it comes back again. But I do think, I mean, you can't really live out John 13, 34, and 35. Um, you know, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, that you also, you know, as I've loved you, love one another. By this, all people will know you're my disciples if you have love for another. You can't do that without this abiding sense of, you know, deference to others, this abiding, and that requires a sense of humility. Yes. So anytime... We're with people in relationships. Let me just say, you know, to the people who are listening as well, I get that for many of you, you have been hurt in a church. I've been hurt in a church. Um, I, I've hurt others in a church. I've, I've struggled and failed, and I've been with people who struggled and failed. Yet that struggle together and that failing together, that's part of what humility, how God humbles us on that journey. And we we need that. You know, it's... Autonomous individualism, which is almost the religion of the world in which we live, has left people empty and, and, and broken and, and proud all at the same time, mm. where humility right. in community is just transformative. It's just transformative. Uh, the, the book we're talking about is, is David Mathers' book. It's called Humbled, Welcoming the Uncomfortable Work of God. Like I said, we got a few copies of it. We're going to share it with amazing and insightful uh, callers. So let's let's take some calls a- as well. Let's let's first go to Michael in uh, in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, Michael in Dayton, Ohio, you're live on the air with your question, your comment. Go right ahead. Yeah, um, this past Sunday, I came down with a, a case of gallstones, kind of out of the blue, during the the mm. church service, and uh, it I was painful for a couple of days and had to go to the ER a couple of days and. Uh, Anyway, when I finally got to thinking about this 
well, it's not like I asked God why, but what does he want me to learn from this? And I kind of got the idea that it was there were some issues in my life that he wanted me to look at and that this was an opportunity for a reset. And I wanted to get your comments on that in, in regard to your book. Good, good, good. Michael, I want you to stay on the line because we're going to give you a copy um, of the book. And after David responds, we're going to give you a copy of Humbled, Welcoming the Uncomfortable Work of God. So stay on the line till our producer can come on. So David, what about um, sickness or physical struggle and the relationship to uh, to humility? And, and what, what, what about here with his comment, with Michael's comment? Uh, is that something that God uses? Yeah, and it's a beautiful story, Michael. And that's exactly the sort of thing that I want to see Christians do. I want to see them receive God's humbling hand in that way. So, uh, yes, it can be uh, the humbling events in our lives can be the product of our sin. We're sinners. That's often the case. We make a mistake. We make an error. We sin. And that brings about some humbling event in our life. However, it's not always the case. It can be something just like that. It, it, it is often health issues or like the global pandemic that we went through. Or just last week, I stood at those pools in Manhattan of the two towers that had fallen and remember standing there back in the year 2000, about a year and a half before those towers fell and just the kind of humbling that can be. Those, those events uh, a, a massive cultural event or just a very personally painful event, even related to health or sickness, can be opportunities to say, God, what would you have for me in this? Even if there's no, nothing that you need to repent of, uh, there can be the opportunity to say, God, I welcome your humbling hand. If there's anything in me, if there's any fresh attention I need to give to something, if this even would bring to mind something else I should repent of that didn't necessarily cause the condition that was humbling, but that now you bring to light through this instance, yes. Uh, take that as an opportunity. As you said, use that language of opportunity. Yes, that's what I want to see. And I think where the biblical text would lead us, that when God brings those painful, humbling events in our lives, that we would welcome his uncomfortable grace and see what he would have for us in those moments. Yeah. So good. So good. Thanks. Thanks so much for your call, Michael. Remember, stay in the line and uh, let's go to Tony. Tony, you're in West Chicago, not far from where I used to be. So we're going to go to Tony. You're live on the air with your question, your comment. Yeah. So um, just a brief testimony, um, somewhat similar to your last caller. Um, I, um, when I came to the Lord, one of the two things he said to me before I actually repented and came to salvation was, you're a liar and you're lustful. And um, I didn't really see myself in those realm, in that, those terms, but <clears throat> it, it became clear that that's exactly what was going on in my life. So um, while I repented, while I came to the Lord, while I made commitments to change, um, nevertheless, over time, um, at work, in my hospital work, um, being exposed to uh, some very attractive women every day, um, the lustful thoughts came uh, and developed into emotional um, connections, which were obvious to some of the women. And um, I didn't really see that as a deviation from God's will, but uh, it's very, very clear um, that Jesus sees that as uh, adulterous relationships. So um, uh, at the age of 55, I, uh, came, I had very severe pain to the point where I was, I was bed-bound, 
for about um, four to five months with terrible back pain. And there were no uh, apparent um, efforts to heal and through normal medication and so on. Um, so eventually, um, God was merciful and gracious and, and allowed me to return to work initially for about four hours a day and then so on to a full day. But um, um, basically, um, I came to really, I realized that um, very often I can be walking in ignorance and not really recognizing uh, my life. But, and the other thing is that um, God is certainly a wonderful, loving, gracious Father and, sa and Savior, but He's also a God to reverence and fear um, as well. And so that, that's, that's right. I'm so thankful that God did that in my life. Yeah, Tony, what a great um, great example, though, of the physical struggle that's there as well and how the Lord used that. Tony, I want you to stay in the line because, remember, we're going to come on. Our producer is going to come on. Uh, David, I want to get you to respond in just a minute. Um, but the, I want to remind everyone, the book is Humbled, Welcoming the Uncomfortable Work of God. As I mentioned, we're going to give Tony a copy as well. And, David, I want to add to Tony's comment as well. So for, um, for me, I never talked about it a lot publicly. I think I tweeted about it once. I had a back injury that for two years— was debilitating that um, that I would have to take uh, like every night it would just I'd have to take 30 minutes at the end of the day um, just to mm. set down on my back and the pain was humili humiliating it was humbling but the Lord used it and I want to I want, when we come back I want you to talk a little bit about Tony's uh, testimony and also just in general how the Lord may use those difficult circumstances in ways to humble us as well let me invite people to call 877 mm. 548-3675. We'll be right back with David Mathis. Stay with us. Hey, we're back at Stetzer Live. Um, we're talking about this book, Humbled, which, by the way, just even the fact that my show is named Ed Stetzer Live, uh, which, by the way, I did not pick the name for the record. Uh, our incredible creative team decided that that was the incredible creative name. Uh, but, but you know, it's it's interesting because so much of this is around how do we, um, how do we exist in our world that often it's autonomously individualism. It's it's uh, it's you know tell who you are and more. And yet, we want to welcome the uncomfortable work of God. The book is named Humbled, Welcoming the Uncomfortable Work of God. I want to get to that and much more. Your calls as well, 877-548-3675. So we, we just were talking a little bit about, um, about illness and, and, and a, a common story for me and our last caller were, were, were back issues. Um, and, and, and so much that the you know, Lord used that to humble me in ways that I could share for 30 minutes. So... We've, there's a second time we come back to that, but I do want to come back to that because it does point to how difficult circumstances, we all know that that draws people to the Lord. Sometimes it push, people push away, but, but we know that that draws people to the Lord. But so much physical issues are related to being humbled by the Lord. How do, now again, we know that part, how do we embrace that? Because I got to tell you, for me, I was just unhappy for a while miserable for a while, mad for a while, mad at God for a while. It took me a while to actually, and I, and I should, I should also say that I had um, some minor surgery and, and it worked and I don't have that anymore. But, um, but I got to tell you, it took me a long place 
And I wish I would have had some wisdom. Maybe you can give us some wisdom how to how to embrace the humbling uh, that came with the physical uh, infirmity. What do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, in, in one sense, there's uh, there's no full preparation for moments of crisis. You know, part of it is God wonderfully and lovingly catches us off guard in these moments. And that, that's part of the, the tempest. That's part of the trial. And yet at the same time, when the trial comes, it evidences what's been there, what's been going on in the heart, what kind of patterns have there been. Use that word, Ed, earlier is really good, posture. What's the posture of the soul? These moments of humbling reveal uh, the, the posture of the soul. And for all of us, I mean, we, we are sinners in the midst of our own, <laughs> of, of God's reclamation process of our soul. And so these moments are going to shake up sin in our soul. And yet what we, what we want to see in Christians is that even in the wrestling, in the pain, uh, maybe it's not the perfect serene acceptance immediately. There is wrestling, there's turmoil, there's difficulty, and yet there's a deep settledness in the soul of I want to welcome God's uncomfortable work and look for his hand in it. You know, I, I embrace this humbling. I know that he is God and I'm not, and I'm happy about that. I'm, I'm glad that he's God. I'm not trying to pretend to be God. I'm okay not being God. I receive not being God. And in particular, personal, physical pains in our own flesh. You know, it, it's one thing when some big cultural event and a big national event happens and and we can feel the emotional pain of that in a moment and then turn our back and close the door and turn off the screen and not feel it at all but when it's personal bodily pain in our own body there there's no escape from it in the same way that there can be with some event outside of ourselves and so that really pushes on the humbling it reminds us of our finitude it reminds us of our weakness and our neediness and the ways in which we are spiritually, physically poor, and it reveals the condition of our heart. And so in one sense, there is uh, the normal patterns of the Christian life are both to glorify God in the day, in the week, and to prepare for the moments of pain that are coming. So the way that we condition our souls to receive God's word, the way that we make patterns of prayer in our life and going Godward in various moments of our lives, the way that we orient on God's people, difficult and prickly and troubling as they can be and wonderful at other moments, these are ways that are conditioning our soul, keeping our soul soft so that in those moments, the worst doesn't come out. But even in the pain, we have the faith to rest in God, trust in Him, lean on Him. And though His work of humbling is uncomfortable, we find by faith the place to, to welcome that work. And even, perhaps, maybe this becomes on the long side of it, to feel his love in the midst of that, mm. the tough love, his severe mercy. When I heard Tony's story, uh, my, my first response is, Tony, it sure sounds like God loves you so mm. much. That even in that pattern, that he would interrupt a kind of sneaky, subtle pattern of lust in Tony's life with physical pain. Because he loved Tony and wanted to purify his soul and wanted Tony's greater joy and wanted to rescue Tony from patterns of unbelief. And who knows? I mean, maybe on the far side of it, Ed, you, uh, you, you know uh, what good purposes God was doing. You feel loved by God through that back pain in a way that maybe you didn't feel loved in the moment. But you see what God was working, and there's no there's no end point. There's no there's no end process without going through the pain of the humbling event to get to that point. 
Yeah, of course, it doesn't mean it was easy. And, and to Ted Sally for Tony, That's right. it was easy. In other words, he, you know, he makes me lie down. And, and that was a, a, a key part of the humbling. And, and, you know, so for me, that physical humbling, and then I'll talk a little later about uh, being a parent has probably been the most humbling thing in, in, in my life and probably for a lot of our listeners as well. But I want to take a couple of calls as, as well. Let's go to first to Sunny in Orlando, Florida. Sunny, Orlando, Florida. You can't miss that connection there. Sunny, go ahead. You're live on the air. Yeah, good afternoon, gentlemen. Praise God. First, let me just say thank you for uh, taking my call. Um, so I have this discussion all the time with different people uh, throughout my travels, but I wonder if you could just speak to this a little bit. I always speak about the difference between being humble and living in God's Word and being a good steward or a shepherd of, of, of God's Word and then being humbled by some type of tragic event. And I've been listening and I've heard people's stories and God is so gracious to have healed or helped those folks. But I just wonder if you could just speak a little bit to the difference between living humbly and being humbled. I love the question, Sonny. I want you to hold on. Remember, we're going to give you a copy of Humbled, Welcome the Uncomfortable Work of God, which, by the way, that's a big part of the theme of the book. But David, go ahead and tell us, talk to us a little bit about Sonny. You won't forget his name. Tell us about uh, how, what's the difference between those two? Well, the, the way I'm thinking about it, both in the book and trying to take cues from biblical text, is often that language of humbled is related to particular events, uh, whereas humility would be kind of a, a, a status, like having been a, a virtue that's been cultivated through continuous humbling moments. So you might put it together this way. Uh, you are humbled in a particular instance. There's a circumstance, whether it's created by your own sin or in correlation with your sin or quite apart from your sin. It just happens to you with some health issue or some event outside yourself, some tragic accident. There's an event that is that's, that humbles you. And then the net result of those humblings throughout our lives in, in God's perfect and loving fatherly hand, he finds his ways big and small, various in many ways to humble us. Some are massive and traumatic and others are small. And the, the composite of those humblings makes a posture or a condition. It forms our souls. It shapes our souls. In, in brain science, in neurology, there's this term of plasticity, the plasticity of the brain. The soul is very plastic in that sense. It is formed and shaped by what we go through in our lives and what kind of faith God gives and nurtures and strengthens in those moments. And so humility then would be the, the condition having been formed and shaped well by those humbling moments to have a kind of steady state. Not that it can't come and go. There, there could be a kind of, just as, just as it's plastic to become more humble, it could become more prideful in seasons. But, the hum, but receiving God's humbling hand in big and small trials brings a kind of posture of the soul that we would call humility. And I think I mentioned earlier that, that again, you know, when you have a radio show, sometimes you probably personalize this. Maybe I personalize it too much. But the for me, the uh, the two big humbling things were physical and then uh, were parenting. You know, just the, the challenges mm -hmm. of uh, walking through the challenges that, that were there of parenting. When you don't have, you know, the control of, you know, your, you can kind of control your own life. But then you've got kids, make different decisions and more. And the struggle that's there, that becomes a very humbling reality as well. And so when, when, we, when we come back, I, I want you to talk a little bit about how circumstances that maybe are outside of physical health 
can also impact us as well. We got one more segment with David Mathis. And if you want to call, our number is 877 548 3675. Again, that's 877 548 3675. We're going to continue our conversation about his book, Humbled, Welcoming the Uncomfortable Work of God, and your calls in just a minute. Hey, we're back. Ed Setzer Live. We've got, uh, well, this is our final segment. We're going to take some calls as well. We're talking to uh, David Mathis. Uh, the book he's written is Humbled, Welcoming the Uncomfortable Work of God. You know, we've got a great team here as well, and uh, and we actually have like some new crew members and team members working with us as well. So, Courtney, I know you're there. So, Courtney, come on the line. And and first first of all, you know, you, you're, you're always working so hard every show. She's our engineer. Uh, but you're there today. You got your fiance, new fiance. I, I there do. As well. Hi, Ed. Thanks yeah. for having me on with you. This is wonderful. Yeah, super fun. Yes. Super fun. So, so fiance from Alberta, Canada. Yes, my fiance from Alberta, Canada. He's here. I love that. I <laughs> love that. So, Alberta. It's fun. Well, I am married to a Canadian. I don't know if I ever told you that, oh, but yeah. my wife's Canadian as well. So my kids are Canadian. So go Great White North. So so I know we've got some... Now, Karen Hendren's normally our producer. She's off today. So so tell us the team that's all doing the great work there today. Who's doing what? Well, Gabby Turku is working for Karen today, doing a great the job producing. Gabby Turku. She always T. does a great job. Yes. She's, yep. she's a Moody Radio classic. Everybody knows yep. Gabby T. So she's yep. here today, which is great. We appreciate her. And then I'm training Bob. Bob a little bit today as well. Bob is here learning the board, doing the music, the times, all that good stuff. And so. he's doing, a, and I should say, he's doing a great job. For those of you who don't know, they talk in my ear, so you can hear <laughs> Courtney's voice. It's very distinctive. But then Bob comes on, and it's twenty seconds, ten seconds, very different voice. Like, like that's not I Courtney. Had, yeah, and if I hadn't warned you that Bob's here, it's like, wait, well, what, what just happened? Yeah, yeah exactly. No, so well, Courtney <laughs> has turned, you know, deep voice. And so, and who's who's man on the phone? And today? we've got Lynn on the phones today. Lynn, who is awesome. awesome. She's just been, she's only been here with a, a couple months and she's just, she's amazing. She's so good with the callers. We love her. Thank you, Lynn. We love it. We have a great team. And I just want to say thanks to Courtney and the team for the good work that they do. But I know with Bob, you know, Bob and Lynn, we got new people. So anyway, great, great team. But many don't know just how many people uh, work to make Ed Setzer Live possible as as well. All right, so let's go Let's go back to our conversation. Thank you, thank you, Courtney. Let's go back to our conversation with uh, with David Mathis. David, we were talking some, I, I was just sharing a little bit about parenting, but just in, 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 in general, uh, when we, we look at this idea of, Humility. A lot of it comes around from things that are outside of us. You know, we probably wouldn't be humbled if it was our own choice, but things that come outside of us. Um, one of the things you talk about in the book is, is the relationship to prayer, and you talk about uh, fasting, and a lot about like receiving those things. So, so you know, when my when my when a daughter had some difficulties, um, you know, I needed to be prepared to receive what the Lord had for me in the midst of that. So talk to me a little bit about, again, back to how we prepare ourselves so that we might receive what the Lord has for us, even in circumstances that we don't want to walk through. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think maybe uh, we could get a little bit help here from Jonathan Edwards. You, you're not surprised that I would go there. But oh, I Jonathan love a good Jonathan Edwards, Edwards very quote. Clearly. <laughs> he talked very clearly about humility as a creaturely virtue. So in other words, humil- it, there's no, it's no accident that humility and human <laughs> begin with the first three, same first three letters. Uh, and in one sense, humility is a kind of 
godly embrace of the limitations of our humanity. And with that becomes our fallen nature as well. But a big part of humility is just what you're saying here, Ed, about uh, external circumstances, receiving those. And uh, rather than trying to pretend that we are God, rather accepting, I am not God. If, if, if I could summarize humility at its heart, I would say humility is feeling in the soul and saying it out loud to God in prayer, you are God and I am not. And I'm happy with that. I'm adjusting my reality as a creature and as a human to your uh, hard and fixed reality. So it, it's no accident that the parades, the parades would be called pride parades versus humility on the other side that would receive God's given gender, God's given sex, God's given laws, God's given design. And this, and so in our, in our lives, it's often these external circumstances that God is bringing about as the God of providence, sovereign over all things. He's bringing about various concrete, stubborn, difficult circumstances in our life. And the call of humility is to not pretend that we're God and that we can frame it and twist it and avoid it, but to receive his humbling hand, receive those stubborn, objective facts of life and adjust our souls to them. So here's one text that came to mind that I love from Philippians 4, where Paul is talking about his circumstances and him learning to adjust with humility. He, he uses the language here of brought low. So he says, I know I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. That's Philippians 4, 11, 13. I know how to be brought low. That, that's being humbled. And I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me, who is Jesus Christ. And so in those moments, if Paul is being, if he's, you know, hashtag blessed, or if he's feeling humbled in that moment, he wants that to be an instinct to go Christward, to draw his strength from Jesus, strength for humility by looking to jesus praying to jesus remembering truths about jesus being in relationship knowing and enjoying jesus that that would have him approach circumstances of abundance with humility or circumstances of being brought low of being humbled to know that christ is the one who will strengthen him as weak as needy as poor as desperate as he may feel that he would lean on the one who has all the strength that matters in Jesus Christ and seek to be Christ-like and Christ-dependent in those differing circumstances of life. That, that's what we hope is cultivated through patterns of self-humbling that then come to bear in these moments in life of being brought low. Yeah. So we, we only have a few minutes left. And so I'm going to try to, I'm going to ask our callers, I'm going to go to some callers. Um, I'm going to ask our callers to, to keep it brief and to the point. And David, um, I, I don't, I, I want to say this in a, in a humble way. I want to encourage you to keep it brief, which is maybe not a strength for us as preachers, but, but let's try to get in a few calls before we <laughs> let's do finish it. Let's our do time. It. Uh, <laughs> let's do it. All right. So Marv, we're going to go first to Marvin and Grace Lake. Marvin, you're live on the air. Go right ahead. Yes, uh, Marvin, are you there? Oh, go go right ahead, please. I'm here. Good. You got me. Yes, okay, please go right I, ahead right now. I just was. I was thinking of the, a great biblical example of uh, humility is uh, Queen Esther. Her humility earned her a chance to talk to the king about saving the Jews after she got the the news mm -hmm. from from Haman, and. Uh, 
I guess the, the, the point here is that humility is something that's earned over a long period of time. But uh, as the text puts it in, in uh, I guess it's Esther 3, Esther's humility earned her strength for such a time as this. Love it. Love it. Marvin, what a great, great comment. I want you to I want you to hold on the line, too, uh, because I want to give you a copy. But, David, we're only going to be able to get to Marvin's call today just for the sake of time. But 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 I do think there are so many biblical examples that speak to those situations. We've got about two minutes left in the show. You'll hear the music. And so you got about 15, 20 seconds after that. But give us some biblical examples. Comment on Esther and then give us some other biblical examples. Well, just. I mean, that that teaching is so prominent in Jesus. You know, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. You can see that play out in so many different ways. Even, and this is amazing, even among some of Israel's most wicked kings, if you were to say, who are the two most wicked kings of Israel in the Old Testament? I think you'd have to say Ahab and Manasseh. And both of them, it's amazing, both of them have stories of self-humbling where God patiently put off his wrath and judgment because they had moments of self-humbling. So Elijah comes to Ahab and and Ahab is fearful. He humbles himself before God, wicked king as he is. And God holds back his hand of condemnation. And it happens again with Manasseh. The point is not to be wicked and then humble yourself later. The point is our God is so merciful that even the most wicked of kings, when they humble him, themselves before him, he extends to them a kind of mercy. And so just know our God is so ready to bless. He is so ready to extend mercy in our direction. He's so eager for us to humble ourselves before him. You will not humble yourself before him and have him turn a deaf ear. He is ready to see that humbling, to smile upon it and bless it, even if he would do that for Israel's most wicked of kings. How all the more will he do that for those who are his sons in Christ? Mm. So good. And and again, such a such a helpful resource, such a helpful focus as well. You can see why I keep having David Mathis on the program. We really appreciate you, David, coming on as well. The book is Humbled, Welcoming the Uncomfortable Work of God. And so again, we've we've already mentioned just thankful for our whole team doing great job, great work, and congratulations to Courtney on your engagement as well. Let me remind you to tune in next week where Ann Graham Lotz and Rachel Ruth Lotz write will join me. We're going to talk about the ways we can prepare for Jesus' return. Something the Bible is very clear about is coming, and our preparation is quite appropriate for that as well. So I want to encourage you to tune in next week. Remember, if you maybe you're not sure you're going to be, where you're going to be Saturday this time, go to edsetcherlive.com, subscribe to the podcast. Remember, uh, edsetcherlive.com is a great place for all the resources and the links, and Ed Setzer Live is a production of Moody Radio, which is a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.